This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 182. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On episode 182, this is the conclusion, the finale, the final part of our 10 Tales of Woe series. We've been running this all the way through April where I picked 10 movies that, I mean, regardless what you think of them, at their core have stories that are pretty fucking sad. And whilst the journey itself has been one of sadness, um, I've really enjoyed this series. I've had a, a ton of fun curating a list of movies, which, to be honest, all have had kind of similar themes for the most part, with a couple of exceptions. They deal with the things that would make us sad. Uh, loss of a child, um, loss of place in society, um, and, you know, uh, loss of control. I think of the, the big things, sadness and loneliness, kind of conjoined hand in hand, and I think it's been it's been a fun series to run so much so that I'm really interested. And I mentioned this before of doing a new list later in the year and doing another ten, ten tales so to speak series. And I think the next one I'm going to do is Jallo, because I know quite a lot of people out there enjoy when I occasionally pick through a Jallo movie, but be really cool to curate a list of 10 completely different jally and uh, get guests on this time, you know, kind of swing them out and I've already been speaking to some podcasters and I'll probably get a few more names in the mix but yeah, try and pick different styles of jalo and uh, do something later on in the year with that so keep your eyes peeled when 10 Tales returns later in the year. Now as we are swinging into our finale here, it feels only right that we do the movie that kind of spurred this idea on from Movie Club a couple of months ago when we all discussed Late Mungo and it got me thinking, Late Mungo to me is an infinitely sad movie. It's a, in a lot of respects a movie which really genuinely creeps me out. But it's a movie that fundamentally at its core I have some strong views about what happens at the end and the thought of that just makes me sad, it just bums me out. So that is the finale, the final movie we'll be discussing on this episode. We are almost out this week, we're almost out this month, which has seen a ton of podcasts under the stairs content. We've put out a shitload for you to listen to. I know I've bombarded your podcast feed. Trust me, that will cut down considerably in May. We'll be going back to most likely probably about three episodes a week. I think that seems to be the standard at the moment, unless there's nothing to do on a bonus episode, and if there isn't, we'll, we'll probably just not do anything on those episodes. But yeah, we're going to continue the format of a proper release on Monday, bonus release on Thursday, and a 88 Films, either slasher classic or Italian collection movie on the Sunday, and that will be our format moving forward, probably up until about summertime. 
when we kick off our um, summer teapot's top 10 series this year looking at the 90s as a decade and when those episodes come in there'll be a lot of content it's just it's just a given because i'll still have my other episodes like the choose your own horror podcast adventure um we'll have things like in reverence we'll have andy loves art house all these things will be happening in the background as well and try to fit all those episodes in as well as the 88 film stuff the bonus review material stuff and that series it's going to get crowded over summer and uh, yeah, in October as well, which is our busiest month, we put out East, oh, there's a shitload of content in October. So yeah, whilst you, we are coming off a busy month, we're going to ease into a couple of quieter months and then gear back up for a busy second half of the year, to be honest. So hopefully you're enjoying it all out there. Now, um, we have one more episode this week to drop. It will land tomorrow. It is our 88 Films Slasher Classic Season. Look at disc number six. No, it's disc number eight, isn't it? Yeah, it's disc number eight, not disc number six. That was Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. Disc number eight is Dead of Winter. So you get that review landing tomorrow. And then on Monday, you get a special episode with myself and Liam Rafferty from Scott Liam vs. Evil, where we talk about uh, our musings on black metal and kind of link it into a kind of procrastinated conversation, which is very disjointed because we've had a few drinks, on Lords of Chaos. So that'll be dropping on Monday. Something a little bit different for podcasts under the stairs. And then we close out the month on Tuesday by looking back over the month and recapping the big news stories, the big releases, what the bespoke labels are putting out and uh, what was the top episodes for podcasts under the stairs. So there we go. Right, let's power into this behemoth of a movie and we're going to do that after a very short break where you're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Late Mungo and when we return we're discussing that movie and a whole hell of a lot more like theories and shit right after this. Hey Paul, what I was thinking is that we need to cut a promo. Yeah, I've been working on some ideas. It's just I don't really know where to go with it exactly. What if I got like a filter where we could just kind of talk normally and we can have kind of a script, but then yes. I can I can like filter it so that one of us will have one kind of voice and then one will have the other. I want to put my request. Make me as Freddy Krueger. Can you do that? Maybe instead of the voices, what if we tried to like write a skit, develop a whole thing, and we have a backstory? And but well, I don't know. That might be kind of too long. So well, like screeching cars and explosions and fireworks and yeah, and, yeah. Well, what about I like it. Maybe instead of you know doing a filter, we could just like reach out to Robert England himself and maybe. Ooh he can you know just record a promo for us sometime do you think i, I mean we I, might have to like raise some money we can do a kickstarter and we could just throw it out to like robert england and you know sure, just, sure. just all kinds of actors and and i think people will do that i think sure why not well you know what? i don't know maybe we're overthinking this whole thing how about if we just tell people where to find us i like that you can find us at who will survive on iTunes, Stitcher, on the Legion Podcast Network, and on the Raw Live and Unedited Podcasting Network. Also on Facebook and Instagram under the same name. Oh, wait. Can we do it underwater uh, with that, piranhas killing me? That and would kind of be brutal. And if that doesn't work, then you can do the regular promo. All right. Well, just get in the water and I'll go get some fish. All right, cool.
feel like something bad is going to happen to me. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. Family and friends the normally of tranquil Palmer setting of Ararat's mortal dam taken too soon. Ten days after Ellie's funeral, stuff started happening around the house. Sounds seemed to come from Ellie's old room. They didn't really relent, so I thought, well, I'll just set up a camera to, you know, see anything. I looked back and there was footage of a figure moving across the hallway. The image was quite unsettling because it certainly looked like Alice. Don't you close your eyes? I usually uh, videotape my sessions. Something was happening inside that house and I wanted to find out what it was. We checked the tapes. There was a ghost in our house. kept secrets. She kept the fact she kept secrets a secret. Something bad is going to happen to me. Alice knew she was going to die. I feel like something bad has happened. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. <gasps> and it's getting closer. And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for this final review of the 10 Tales of Woe series. We're looking at Late Mungo from 2008, directed and written by Joel Anderson. Uh, the movie itself stars Rosie Trainer, David Pledger, Martin Sharp, Talia Zucker, Tanya Lentini, um, Cameron Strachan, Judith Roderick, Robert Cumming, uh, Marcus Costello, Chloe Armstrong, Carol Patullo, John Dunn and Laurie Dunn. Uh, synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb. Strange things start happening after a girl is found dead, drowned in a lake. So, um, yeah, Lake Mungo, an interesting one. An interesting one in that I only saw it a couple of years ago and the more I watch it, the more I kind of love it. The more I watch it, the more I think it might be a perfect kind of full documentary movie. Because across the board, it was maybe one or two characters. The acting feels pretty much on point. It feels authentic and realistic. Um, and it does what I personally think the best sort of horror stories should do. And that it is, it is constructed in layers. And the further you start to look into it, the more kind of weird and creepy things get and it's a movie that definitely benefits from repeat viewing the story itself uh, follows uh, a girl by the name of Alice Palmer um, who is you know in a family of four she has a brother Matthew and she has her dad Russell and June and we join this kind of full documentary at the point of she has died uh, she went missing, her body was found um, in a local reservoir, uh, kind of badly, sort of, bloated and all the rest. The things that would happen from a corpse that had been drowned, um, or, you know, death by drowning. The story kind of pivots out with that to a kind of, and this is where the sad stuff comes in, so once again, 
kind of like the previous review, kind of just want to zip through what kind of happens in this movie, but I really want to more focus on the kind of sadder aspects of the story. But um, when it comes to identifying the body, the mother, June, refuses to go and see it, so the dad kind of steps up, um, and Russell goes, he checks the body, confirms it as the daughter, and then weird shit starts to happen, um, like noises around the house, creakings uh, and whatnot, and Matthew being a kind of keen enthusiast of camera gear, <laughs> decides that what he's going to start doing is kind of setting up cameras. He's doing a project to do with time-lapse photography of his back garden. And they start to realise that maybe uh, Alice has come back from the grave and the spectre of her potential unfinished business is haunting the house. And this starts to really kind of tear at the family's psyche, so much so that... June herself decides that the best way to, to move forward is to have the body exhumed to prove it as her daughter and of course they do prove it as her daughter and then we find out kind of at the just before the midway point that Matthew the son has created this as a bit of a hoax he has kind of done this as a way to give his mum something to cling on to because she was so uh, desolate so distraught um, at losing her daughter and at that point, you kind of think, well, this is a weird way to pivot your movie halfway through it. And then the movie kind of doubles down on the fact that whilst you think, like, the greatest magician tricks, while you think the thing you should be looking at is over in the left hand, the right hand starts doing a bit of trickery in the story. And what we find out is there's a whole kind of other side of Alice that our parents didn't know about. And in one of the captured footage clips, they find, uh, if they zoom in, because all this all this movie does is really about taking a still image and zooming in to a corner somewhere and finding the shadow or the spectre of Alice. And during the look at one of the videos, they find out that what they actually have is the, the video footage of one of the neighbours in her room at night. And when the parents investigate a bit more, they find a... Uh, kind of hidden trove of information, a hidden tape essentially of of Alice uh, engaging in kind of threesome sex with the neighbours next door. Now obviously Alice is a teenager and she was supposed to be babysitting the, the neighbours kids and it looks like it's kind of went a bit creepy and as the Baz would say a bit noncy. Um, and then there's a theory that maybe this has caused her to kill herself, maybe this was the thing that made her distraught. And after further investigation, they finally start piecing together more information, specifically around the school trip that she had at Lake Mungo, which is where the movie gets its name from. Um, they find that after that trip, she came back without a lot of her personal items, including her mobile phone. Um, and they can see in one of the footage captured on a mobile phone by one of her friends, because it's like a school trip, so they're, they're all there in the middle of the night being arsehole teenagers, and um, they see her digging a hole somewhere. Um, when they go there, they find her phone, and they find video footage of her out and about walking along the beach at night, and a creature... Well, I was going to say a creature. Uh, something in the distance comes towards her, and... When they freeze frame it, they realise that it's actually her bloated corpse body, which then bashes into her. And 
when we spiral the story out from that further and you take into context that she was speaking to a local kind of paranormal psychiatrist and we take these these kind of these recordings into account what you actually piece together is that Alice was this teenager who had a bit of a dark side that we didn't really know about think comparisons to Twin Peaks because that's how I always look at it there's no you know no coincidence here that both both are girls and both have the surname Palmer I think Joel Anderson himself would probably admit he was heavily influenced by Twin Peaks you know both girls die uh, their bodies found in water you know this sort of idea there are comparisons there although I will say Lake Mungo does things completely different from Twin Peaks so it's, it's more paying homage than it is plagiarism but what we piece together is that she had a bit of a darker side. She was engaging in a bit of sexual activity with the neighbours, but she seemed fairly well-adjusted and a fairly normal girl. She had a kind of weird relationship with her mum. It wasn't like super hella close, but it wasn't standoffish either. She went on a school trip. On that school trip, she encountered a vision of herself not that long in the future, dead. And this kind of changed her her outlook on life. Uh, it leads to those lines that, you know, of, you know, I think that something bad's going to happen to me. Uh, it hasn't quite reached me yet, but, you know, it's coming. And at that point, she really changes as a, as a person. There's something quite haunted about the character after that. And she's on the countdown until death. You know, her inevitable death, the thing that will happen. And our parents kind of having to live with that, kind of having to pick up the pieces of this whilst at the same time being given at some point false hope that our daughter was coming back from the grave to tell them something. Um, What's really interesting about the movie, it's the bit that I think people take one way but I interpret completely differently is the end of the movie overall. Um, at the end of the movie, what is the common conception of what happens is once the, the family have gotten to the bottom of the mystery, so to speak, they sell the house, pack up their things and move on. And I think that's one way of looking at it, for sure. I think there's plenty of evidence in there. It's not how I see things, though. I see things in a slightly more tragic sort of way. The one character who doesn't appear to be able to move on is the mother. She really can't move on. And through through her conversations with the same psychiatrist, we get this crossover of of audio tapes recording about these things that happen where um, the mother has this very strong dream image that she sees her daughter at certain points, but her daughter can't speak to her. And vice versa, months before, Alice has recorded the same things about her mum coming into the room and just kind of standing there, like, you know, like kind of almost like a zombie, not really knowing what's happening. And the final scenes we see of the mum, and it is telling the final scenes we see of the mum, not the last picture we see of the mum. In the final scenes we see of the mum, we see her walking around this empty house, and she takes a cord from her room, and then walks up into what Alice's room would be, walks in and never walks out. Now... This is where I put my theory, theory forward. I think the mum actually commits suicide at the end of the movie. I think we don't see it. In fact, what we see is the father and son packing up the car and not the mother. But I think 
that is her, the mother, having the same images, the same idea of being back together with her daughter, this interaction that she has. Her daughter foreseeing the future of what will happen to her mother, coming into the room and standing there like a zombie. Um, and subsequently the mother like having these conversations or interactions or feelings or encounters in her kind of waking dreams or in her, her you know, being buried under hypnosis of her daughter in certain places as well. It kind of almost shows that they have themselves this ability of kind of almost second sight. They can see beyond uh, the corporeal world into the supernatural world or even over time itself. And I think my interpretation of the ending is the mother kills herself uh, to be back with her daughter um, and, and kind of shake the, the guilt, the incredible guilt that she has in her own life. Regardless where you come down on the ending though, um, whether you believe my ultra-sad version of it or whether or not you believe the actual version that other people believe from viewing the movie. I think overall what you're left with, though, at the very end is the saddest of sad images, which is a re-examination of video footage, of of the pictures that were taken and the realisation that Alice was actually there all along. She she was there as a spectre all along in the background, haunting these these photos for what will probably be eternity. Um the the prospect of not being able to cross over. Um if you look at it that way, incredibly sad ending. If you look at it the other way, it's a, a mother's guilt at not being able to be the mother that she wants to be and having the unfinished business of losing a child abruptly. Um, and that guilt manifests in some sort of connection, some sort of almost uh, Donnie Darko-esque cord that comes from the chest. Um, a connection which can't be broken in life, can only be broken in death, uh, which will create a new connection between them in the afterlife, which, like I said before, is... A, on some level, a kind of positive thing. It's like the end of the orphanage, isn't it? It's that way of, well, she's going to look after these kids, but she's going to do it in the afterlife for eternity. Um, so there's that aspect as well. I think on top of that, I think it's just how loss and grief impacts people, how we all deal with it differently. How some people are able to compartmentalise grief in a way which allows them to function without ever actually truly dealing with the issues that happen or whether it's the sort of grief and the sort of loss that hits you so hard in the chest that you can't breathe, that you can't function, you can't think, you can't eat and you don't want to go on. You don't want to live in a world where you've lost that connection to the person that you, you care about the most. And I think what the movie does really well above all else is it kind of doesn't preach any of that. What it does is it submits facts um, and story through the, the guise of this full documentary format. It's very matter of fact, if anything, it, 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 it displays what it needs to display on its sleeve up front for the audience. But the subtext is there if you want to look for it. If you want to dig a bit deeper into what it is that caused it, that's the interest and aspects. Did this kind of sordid threesome relationship with the neighbours next door put a, a sour tint on things? Probably not. It doesn't look like that's what caused Alice to die or change, so to speak. 
it was the events that she encountered on the beach that night, the, the kind of haunting image of her future self, her dead self, is what pushes her over. But as the mystery unfolds, we start to, as the parents do, start going, well, maybe she is a ghost. Or maybe it was these events that happened. Or maybe that's what sent her over the edge at the end. So it's an unfolding mystery, and I think that's what makes it really interesting, is the story itself evolves as you watch it. But when you come back and watch it again and again, the, the beauty of this movie is when you've watched it the first time, and at the very end we see the pictures where Alice is actually in them, when you watch the movie back again, you start picking out these details very, very quickly. It does the old deep red thing where, you know, if you rewind back, the killer is there and you will see the killer um, and you get it for a snapshot, but you don't resonate it till later on. And it's the same looking back at the movie again from scratch. You start to see Alice in all the pictures uh, and it's, an, it's inherently creepy. It's like looking at those old photos, those old black and white photos of people dressed up for Halloween uh, and those horrible masks. And there's something just creepy about that or the fact that for the longest period of time people would take photos of their dead loved ones. Um, also inherently creepy. And it's how we change and interact with things. At that time it would never have been seen creepy or taboo but as society's progressed on we've just been unable to deal with death. I think our forefathers, our ancestors, dealt with death a lot better than we deal with it now. I think the fact that our lives are longer, we've got a longer value, quality of life, um, makes us more afraid to give up, um, are, are more afraid to encounter the, the fact that we all die. And I think... It's the it's the aspects of kind of a modern society in that these movies hold such resonance to the viewer because they tap into those awkward, weird and uncomfortable converse conversations that we don't want to have with ourselves or with anyone else. And I think that's where Lake Mungo exists. I think it is a fucking masterfully crafted movie. I think the sound design is absolutely incredible. Um... I think, like I say, for the most part, out with maybe one or two performances, the acting feels authentic and real. And I love the idea of an unfolding narrative mystery that that drags you along um, through the, the grief of a family, which evolves from grief to anger, then back to grief to mystery to grief. Uh, and if my theory about the ending rings true, then ultimately a father and son who can maybe start a new life moving forward, even though they've lost, you know, the the mother and the daughter of the, the family, they will be together somewhere and and carry on. It's a great fucking movie. It really, really is. And Joel Anderson has kind of went off the grid and there's rumours of him making a new movie. And I think he's been away for so long from this. I mean, this movie's, what, 11 years old now. Um, I'm so interested to see what he does next. But... I think this movie is now rightly getting the accolades it needs. It's available on Shudder, and I think people are getting a chance to see it, and it seems to get universally high praise, which is uncommon for a movie of its genre and of its type, uh, even of its kind of style. It's, you know, it's very uncommon, but I think it's a great fucking movie. I think it's just a sad, sad movie. <laughs> like, really, really, really sad movie. Maybe more sad than creepy, even though the creepy aspects work very well for me. And I feel, every time I watch it, I feel it going over in my brain and just kind of trying to piece together what I think happens and, and how we 
how we deal with things. Yeah, there we go. That's my review, my melancholy review of, of Late Mungo, bringing it into a close on the 10 Tales of War. I do want to say, before we jump out for the final break, that this is a five for me. I fucking love this movie. But I want to thank everyone that's checked out this series. It's been a ton of fun to do. It's been great to have some conversations with people online and through email about the series in general. And I'm looking forward to coming back and doing another 10 Tales series later in the year, uh, looking at some Jallo um, and getting some guests involved as well. So it's just not my monotonous voice droning on and on for you. Um, if there are other themes you would like to see podcasts under the stairs tackle any 10 Tales-like scenario, then let me know. Let me know on the Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. I'd be interested to check them out and see if we can piece something together. I mean, I'm saying it'll be later in the year for Jallo. If we get another one, which I get excited about, I might do another one quicker rather than later. Um, also, uh, just, just let us know what you make of the movies you know is there any that you feel i have completely missed or anything you feel i should really watch a sad story of horror that is worth visiting because i am not an encyclopedia of horror i've watched the ones i've watched and i like the movies i like but there's a whole world of movies out there i've never seen before so if there are ones let me know facebook or by email podcast under the stairs at gmail.com i'm taking my final break of this show when i come back i'm closing it out right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been episode 182, closing out the 10 Tales of Woe series with Lake Mungo. Love that fucking movie. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts Under the Stairs. As always, I say come across and check us an Apple podcast, subscribe to the feed, leave us a rating and a review. It's the best way to support us on that platform. You can also check us out at Stitcher, Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn and Spotify. You can visit our website, it's tputzcast.com. If you want to buy posters or enamel pins to support the show, you can do that by going to tputzcast.bigcartel.com. If you want to buy weird merch with old designs on it, go to redbubble.com and type in tputzcast. You'll see some weird and wonderful shit over there. If you want to come to Facebook to check us out, join our group page, become part of the conversation with other listeners, um, you can go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. If you're also on Facebook and you only are interested when the shows drop, occasionally a live stream or a Thursday Thursday, then go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash tputzcast. You can interact with myself and the bads on the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter, both can be followed at tputzcast. See, there is a theme there. The podcast under the stairs will return tomorrow with disc number 8 of our 88 Films Slasher Classics Collection, looking at Dead of Winter from 1987. But until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off. Love of mine, 
that someday you will die, but I'll be close behind. They'll follow you into the dark, no blinding light or tunnels to gates of white. Just our hands clasped so tight, waiting for the hint of a spark. If heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied. Illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs. If there's no one beside you when your soul embarks, then I'll follow you into the dark. In Catholic school, as vicious as Roman rule, I got my knuckles bruised by a lady in. And I held my tongue as she told me, son, fear is the heart of love. So I never went back. And if heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied, and illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs. If there's no one beside you when your soul embarks, then I'll follow you into the dark. You and me have seen everything to see, from Bangkok to Calgary, and the soles of your shoes are all worn down. The time for sleep is now, but it's nothing to cry about. 'Cause we'll hold each other soon in the blackest of rooms. And if heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied, and illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs. If there's no one beside you when your soul embarks, then I'll follow you into the dark. And I'll follow you into the dark.